Before I get too far, how many of you have I met before? Just get an idea. Not met yet? Who's not met? Hey, welcome. So good to meet you. Can I get a selfie with you? That's what I like to do. <laughs> it's okay, right? I want to I say hi. So we can say hi to the, uh, the point. Ready? Got everyone in there? Lean, lean in. <laughs> All right. That's as close as I could get. I just, what I want to do is actually want to honor um, you guys and, and share that with all our friends uh, back at the point. So my wife and I, Lola, will tell you about that in a second. But first, I just want to say, you know this, but if just in case this is your first Sunday ever at Revive, um, you are in such good hands. This couple, Matt and Sarah, are, as you know, amazing. The pastoral hands you are in are just, yeah, you receive that right now because I do. I just want to honor them for a moment. Cause could, we, could we honor Matt and Sarah and the whole leadership team for everything they do here? Um, it's an absolute honor to be asked to, to come up here, and I'm excited. Got to drive for an hour and 15 minutes this morning. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm awake. And, but I, I'm grateful for that time, because any time you get asked to serve in any capacity in the house of God, like, it's a good day, right? And I woke up this morning excited, like, this is going to be a good day, and I'm excited to meet all of you. I'm excited for child baptisms, or not baptisms, I'm sorry, dedications today. That's going to be amazing. Um, I forgot what church I'm in for a second. <laughs> Let's get into the Word. Should we get into the Word? Okay. All right. Well, actually, I do need to quickly tell you who, who I am and, and, and introduce myself. So I'm Matt. Uh, my son, Val, is eight years old. He's a particular kind of a kid. He still wipes his boogers on me from time to time. Not proud of that, but I wanted to share that um, I can't raise my kid any better than you can. <laughs> we're, all, we're all walking through it, and he's, uh, he is phenomenal. I just I love that I got to steward him. My wife, Lola, and I are coming up on nine years married, and uh, she's just a blessing in my life. I'm a very logical type of person. I actually got saved, believe it or not, through apologetics, which is arguing for your faith, and <laughs> which is not how a lot of people uh, in, in West Michigan got saved. But God reached me in my logical mind. And then he gave me my wife before that, who is not as logical, more emotional. My wife is the emotional uh, queen of our house, and I'm the logical king of the house, if that makes any sense. And we, we, we balance each other. I think uh, in Genesis, it, it talks about how he brought man and woman together to be image bearers, so we can bear the image of God together. And my wife and I certainly are a testament to that. So love that. Um, let's get into the Word. Let's get into the Word. So as I was driving up here, I knew what I was going to be bringing before, but I was driving up and I was praying because I had an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> so, so, so I got extra prayer time, right? Extra prayer time for you and extra prayer time for us. And as I'm praying about, you know, about you, about the church, um, God gave me a word for you. Can I bring you that word real quick? Okay. So the word he brought me is grow. And I don't know how you identify yourself in this church. If you think of yourself as a big church, small church, town church, whatever. I don't know what labels to me don't matter, but you might sometimes refer to yourself and say, hey, we're one of these small churches, you know, we're this church, right? And, and I think small is so big in the house of God. I know a little bit about that. I know a lot about church plant life and small church life. My wife and I led one of the campuses of The Point in California for the last couple of years before we called to come out here. And, you know, it was the kind of thing where, man, you show up and if there's 22 people on a Sunday, it was like, 
Okay, we got the core here. This is good. And, you know, it's the kind of church that if you're missing a family or two because of softball, you're like, ooh, our numbers are down 40%. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want you to know. See, and, and all these knowing looks are, oh, yeah. I get it, right? I get it. And, and I think speaking from someone who is leading in a small church, small church is small church, right? And you know what I mean by that. I, I want this word to really resonate. It's grow. And what that means is, I know how it is. Sometimes, you know, Matt will come up and he'll say, you know, I believe this year we're growing. And then you're like, yeah, let's do this. We're putting out 50 more chairs. The Lord spoke to me. I don't know what he said, but you know, like, I, I get, I, I'll bring this, like, I'll get a vision, right? I'm praying and I get a vision. Like, oh, this is what's happening. We're, we're, this is going on this year. And then, like, you grow. And then maybe you shrink. And then maybe you don't grow. And then who knows what happens. And then a year later, it's like, come on, guys, we're growing. The Lord said so. And you're like, okay. And I don't know if you relate at all to this, but here's the point is I feel like sometimes it's easy to get jaded to what's really a true word of God. And I think sometimes we think the promise is supposed to come too soon. And I think sometimes we think that if it doesn't come tomorrow or maybe even this afternoon, that if that new family didn't walk through the door this Sunday, maybe God, maybe did I hear him wrong? Maybe I don't know what that meant, right? Anyone ever feel like that? Yeah? I know I feel like that sometimes. So I want to encourage you that the word of God is forever. And when he gives you something like this, it means it's coming. So here's what it means, though. Grow. It's growing spiritually, it's growing numerically, it's growing in your, your footprint in this town. I get to drive through for the first time uh, in the daylight into this really cool town called Asperia. And when I got up, you know, like five minutes before I got to this little area, I was like, oh, this, this is like an actual legit town. This is pretty cool. You know, like, because like, I was going through for an hour, going through like woods and random farmhouses, and then all of a sudden, I'm here, and I'm like, dude, you guys got a subway, and you got, you got a feed store, and you got a Dollar General, and you get, like, there's some stuff going on here, you know? And I felt good about that, and as I'm coming through, I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people here still who woke up this morning and don't know how much God loves them, and, and they're counting on you. Whether you realize it or not, I'm not saying they're counting on Matt and Sarah. They're not counting on the church. When I say, remember, good morning, church? It's you. They're counting on you right now. So the word grow means it's time. All right, it's time for something. So let's talk about really what this is about, and I promise I'll get into this right now. Flip, uh, if you have a Bible, paper or electronic, either way is okay, whatever you prefer. Psalm 61. Like Matt brought a psalm this morning, so let's stay in psalm, shall we? Stay in psalm. Psalm 61. So, so this word is, is grow, but actually, it's about being overwhelmed. I've been feeling overwhelmed a lot. I moved my whole business. I've been an entrepreneur since, I was, since 2002, since, since I was three years old. I'm 39. I'm just, just, just making up math. Just making it up. Um, but, you know, I've been, I've been running a business for a while. So when God called us to say, I want you to move everything to Michigan. And I said, where's Michigan. And God said, to over here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't know what a mitten was, but I learned about this and this. And he said, move to this area. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I love it. It's the only place in the world I can go like, so, and then everyone roars. You know, they love it. Because <laughs> it's, it's mitten people, you know. You're mitten people. 
But when we came out here, I had to move my family. I moved my son out of his school into a new school. I moved into, you know, to a new house. We had to find, and it seems like silly maybe, but like we're particular about food and like, you know, we had to find new grocery stores and new, you know, this store doesn't do it like the way our store does it. And, and I couldn't get my same marinated chicken. And it was like, everything had to change, you know? I had to learn about winter storms. Yeah. Are you kidding me? What, I don't, what happened? apparently God is is warm-blooded. He's like, turn the air down. But I learned about, you know, snow blowing my driveway. That was fun. It is. It's fun. It's it's like mowing your your driveway. You know, that was cool. So I don't know any of this stuff, but I've had to learn how it works, and I felt overwhelmed from time to time, you know, moving my business over, moving everything over, and having to almost start fresh in so many ways. Have you ever felt overwhelmed before? Yeah? Look at the person next to you and say, I might be a little overwhelmed. Go ahead. I might be a little overwhelmed. All right. Look, look at your second choice neighbor now and tell him, I might be overwhelmed. Go on. No, no, don't feel bad. You're like, that one, you were my first choice, honey, I promise. I just, the, someone, they were new next to me. I wanted them to feel welcome. Now I'll go to you. Um, if you've ever felt overwhelmed before, this is, this is for you. Um, I'm reading through Psalm 61 and... I got to tell you, as I'm reading this in my basement, because I have a basement now, and I like having a basement, as I was reading this in my basement, I just felt like God speak to me, and, you know, he said, you can't grow if you're overwhelmed. And I said, oh, and think about this. Overwhelm is the enemy of growth. If you're wondering why something in your life, your finances, your spiritual walk, numerically, the, uh, your neighbor hasn't come yet, whatever that is, whatever it is that you need to grow in your life, if you're wondering why, the enemy of that might be your overwhelm. So you think about it, if you're overwhelmed, if you, what's overwhelmed? It's too much, right? It's overflowing. If you have a platter that's so full and so overwhelming, you're not sure what to do and you're trying to make ends meet, you're going, oh, there's just, I got all these plates to juggle, God, and then you're trying to grow, you don't have space for them right? If you're wondering, sometimes people, oh, you know, I've been waiting on God's promise. It's like, well, maybe God's waiting on you. Maybe you're not waiting on God's promise. Maybe he's waiting on you to clear a little space. Maybe clear a little space. And when you have that space, he goes, boom, there it is. I've been holding this for you this whole time. Just give me a space in your tray. And in Psalm 61, he gives us instructions on what to do to clear our overwhelm. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I'm going to preach this for me because I need to hear it again. Um, And I hope you get something out of this. But just so you know, this is for me. Let's read it. Let's read 61 verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle or your tent, your house forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. She, right? Knows how great that is. She does. So I want to break that down a little bit. Here's, here's what, um, here's what uh, King David can show us. We know that King David probably wrote this psalm because it says, for the director of music with stringed instruments of David. He's singing this song. The church is singing this to God, and, and there's so much in this. He gives us three things. Three things in here 
that get us out of overwhelm, which allow us to receive blessing, allow us to grow, allow us to walk in the way he asks us to walk. But these three things we must know, otherwise you might feel yourself stuck. Make sense? Yeah? All right. So here's a couple things he says. He gives us, number one is access, access to God. Number two is protection. And number three is strength. So you think about it, if you have access to God, if you know you're protected from the world, from God, and you are made strong in Him, you don't ever have to be overwhelmed again. And if you ever find yourself feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, too much, I'm not good enough, I failed so many times, I don't know if I can get back up, I don't know if I'm even good enough because like, I mean seriously, like at this point in my walk, what a Christian word, right? At this point in my walk with the Lord, I should be better than this. If you've ever felt like that, this is for you. Like, you know what I mean? And if at the end of, of, at the end of this message, if you feel convicted in your heart that it's time to change something, again, I promise you, I feel more convicted than you. That's why I'm preaching this this morning, right? So let's walk out through this together. Is that okay? All right. So let's break this down. So hear my cry, oh God. This is what's so cool. Number one, he doesn't say please. You notice that? He doesn't ask a question. He doesn't say, do you hear me, oh God? There are times in the psalmist's life when he says, do you hear me, you know? But right here, when he's getting out of overwhelm, he says, hear my cry, oh God. He's actually directing God. He's saying, God, and isn't that what Jesus came to do for us? One of the many things he came to do was give us direct, what? Access, right, to the Father. Give us direct access, which means you don't have to go through anyone. You don't have to wonder if he's listening. He's always here. He's always listening. All you got to do is say, hear me. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I've been here. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Right? Say, hear me. Hear me. Oh, God, that's just so you can wake up, not me. I'm already awake. I got up early. And then he says, listen to my prayer. He says, hear me and listen to my prayer. Right? It's important to know that. And it's really fun. The other thing, too, is what's so great is hear my cry, oh, God. He doesn't say, hear my cry, oh wife. Hear my cry, oh husband. Hear my cry, oh mom and dad. Hear my cry, oh Facebook. You know, oh, have you ever seen people do this, right? It's like, they're, they're, they're crying. They're like, hear my cry. I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm miserable, I'm not feeling good. Something's hard, it's a struggle right now. So what do they do? They go to social media and they're like, someone, does anyone out there care about me? Are you kidding me? You go to, I mean, like, look. It's great to go to a place where people can come and rally around you, right? Hey, I, you know, I had to put my dog to sleep some years back, and you can go to Facebook and say, hey, I'm really sad, and people are like, ah, but who do you go to? David didn't go to social media first. I know what you're thinking. Would he be a Facebook guy or an Instagram guy if he lived today? I don't know. I don't know. I think he would have been a Twitter person myself. <clears throat> can, you know, you tweet out to everybody. But he didn't go there, right? He didn't go to a platform. He didn't go to his people. He didn't go to the disciples. He didn't go to his, uh, the, the, the townspeople. He didn't go to even the people closest to him. Who did he go to first? So there's instructions here, isn't there? The moment I feel overwhelmed, the first person I need to turn to is Jesus. And if I haven't turned to him before anyone else, no one else is going to fix it. No one else is going to make me feel better. It's unfair because I shouldn't put that burden on someone close to me. I can't put the burden on my wife to make me feel better, right? Jesus is the one who can do that, and we have a relationship with him. So he says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. <laughs> Verse 2, 
From the ends of the earth I will call to you. I call as my heart, in this uh, translation it says, as my heart grows faint. I think it's in the ESV, if anyone has that one. It says, I love this, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Does anyone have overwhelmed in their Bible that you're looking at right now? Overwhelmed, right? Isn't that great? In the King James, there we go. Yeah. I cry to you as I feel overwhelmed, as my heart is overwhelmed. So from the ends of the earth, I call to you. So this is a, I'm, I'm kind of, um, kind of a language nerd. Like I just, I don't know, I am. Like when I read scripture, the Holy Spirit just pops out these little things like a, a comma here or a word there or something like that. And I go, oh, and it just like, it speaks to me. And in this here, I, I think it's interesting this is something that happens first, then second. So it's actually second, then first. So from the ends of the earth, I call to you is actually the second thing. I call as my heart grows faint is the first thing. So what he's really saying is when your heart is feeling overwhelmed, the first thing I do is I call to you from the ends of the earth. Why would he say from the ends of the earth? Why does that matter? Because it's so important that we know that we can speak to God from wherever we are, wherever we are. The ends of the earth. You understand, like, in, in these times, there was no, you know, Delta Airlines. There was no Skype to go, you know, call your friend in Japan in a heartbeat, right? There was no text messaging. There was no cell phones. Did you know that? There was none of this stuff. Do you know how big the world must have felt when he's writing this? And see, God speaks exactly to where we are. So often they'd say things like at the ends of the earth. And it might mean, you know, I'm over here in this town and across the lake is over there. But in that day, I mean, if it takes a month to get there on donkey, how far is that, right? I can get to Sydney, Australia in 14 hours, right? They couldn't get from town to town faster than that. It would take two, three, four times as long. So when he says from the ends of the earth, what he's trying to exclaim is the furthest you could ever imagine being from the Lord, the furthest you could ever imagine being away from God in your heart, that's the very place you call him from, okay? If I find myself in sin, if I find myself in mistakes, if I find myself in failure, if I find myself depressed, if I find myself in fear, how far do I feel from God in that moment? It's like, you know, God's right here. He's right here. And I'm like, no, I ain't going to be that close. And I feel like I'm way over by the AV. Sorry, bud. And if I feel like I'm here and God is all the way over there, these instructions are so important because you know what he says? He says, he didn't say, if my, if my heart feels overwhelmed, I begin walking to God and when I finally feel like I got right and I finally feel like I fixed myself and I finally feel like I'm cleaned up enough to show up to church, then I come and talk to him. Does it say that? No. It says, from the ends of the earth, sorry for shouting, but I think this needs to be preached, yes? From the ends of the earth, that's where I call to you. That's where I call. From the depth of my despair, that's the first thing I do is say, Lord, and he hears me. Does that make sense? The distinction. I don't got to walk to him and then he hears me. He hears me when I'm stuck. He hears me when I feel stressed. And I know every single one of us at some point have made this mistake. You feel like you messed up. You did something wrong. And you feel like, oh, I got to fix this. Or I'm too overwhelmed. I'm too stressed right now. 
and you feel like you got to fix it, you got to do something. So you get into action, or you watch Netflix for a couple more hours, and then you get into action. And then after you've done something, then you go, okay, God, I'm ready to pray now. You know, this happened, uh, you know, my wife and I don't fight often. We don't fight really at all. We, we call it intense fellowship. We, we, sometimes, we sometimes fellowship together, and sometimes it's more intense than not, right? Sometimes, sometimes we, we speak passionately, and <laughs> when we speak passionately, one time in particular, um, it was a few months ago, I was sitting on the couch, and, and it was Saturday night, late night, we were talking on the couch before going to bed, and I'm supposed to be preaching in the morning at one of the campuses, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm getting this message in the morning. I got to get, the, you know, this, yeah, and I'm trying to make it about me, right? Like, I'm not meaning to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, not on purpose, but I'm just thinking, all right, I want to do so great. I want to really help these people get moved. I want the Holy Spirit to come through. Like, yeah, and as I'm focusing on that, my wife's like, mm-hmm, and I said, what? And she said, nothing, I just... Just feel like you're spending all this time on this, and um, you still haven't done this for the family. You still haven't said that. You still haven't taken care of this other thing you said you'd do a week ago. Oh, and then seven years ago when you said this, that really hurt my feelings. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember that. She's like, I know. And she was sharing that she was really, really hurt, and it had built up because there were little things that I said I would do and I didn't do, Right? And I'm like wrecked. And then we worked it and we talked and, and, you know, I said, I'm sorry. And she said, I know. And then she forgave me because that's what we do, right? And we went to bed feeling fine. She goes to sleep. I go down to the basement to finish working on my preach. And I'm like, <laughs> and I said, I'm like, God, how can I? And I said, I'm so broken, God. Like, how can I bring this message? And here's what's so cool. I felt so overwhelmed. I felt like I was a loser. I felt like I had messed everything up. I felt like I was never going to get ahead. And then I had to show up and try to be on stage. Do you know what I mean? Like I had to show up for someone else and try to be congruent. And here's what God said to me. He said, you're always going to feel overwhelmed, my son. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. But he said, the question is, and the choice is by what? You can either be overwhelmed by the world or you can be overwhelmed by me. And I was like, mic drop. It's not as impactful with the headset. But that was my choice. And in that day, I flipped open the Bible and I opened up Psalm 61 without knowing it. And I read this and I went, wow, that's about overwhelm. And I thought, wow, that means that when I felt furthest from God because I had messed up the most, I went to the basement and within 10 seconds, I just, I called to him. And I said, God, what do I do? And you know what's crazy? He answered me. Like right away. And I didn't have to wait till I got it right. So I just want to encourage you that if you're waiting to fix it, waiting to get it right, don't wait. Don't wait. Speaking to God, asking him, receiving the forgiveness, receiving the grace, like getting in relationship, you can do that now. You can do that. And, and it might not be today. Maybe today you feel amazing, right? You're like, I'm on top of the world today. But this might be for you three weeks from now. When you feel like I got far away again, and I want you to, to encourage you that when you feel farthest, that's when you grow the closest, right? It's the journey to God that can happen in a heartbeat, and that's oftentimes what grows us. Make sense? Yeah. Awesome. Let's cruise through the rest of this real quick because there are a couple other things. So number one is access. Number two is protection. 
Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you've been my refuge. Say refuge. You know what refuge means? I didn't know either. But it's a protection. It's a place of protection. And he says it a couple times, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent, which is another form of protection, right, from the elements, forever. And then he says, and take refuge, say refuge, in the shelter, say shelter, of your wings. Four kinds of shelter protection are mentioned in a couple of verses. Who thinks that might be important? I find that when God repeats himself, I mean, he, you know, Jesus says that not one iota, not the smallest little marking in the language and the written word will pass before. Do you think that's important? One little marking, one tiny little word, one little dot above an I, is that important to the Lord? Imagine if he repeats himself four times. It's pretty important, right? So I notice things like that. He gives us protection. No matter where we are, he gives us protection. We're called to redirect our mind, but only God can transform our heart. The protection is his domain, right? So if we feel like we're rocked in the waves, we feel like things aren't working out right, if we feel like things, something is hard out there, understand that nothing can come against you, right? It says in the word, if God is for us, who can what? No one can. If God is for us, which we know he is. And trust me, it's in his best interest to be for you because his Holy Spirit dwells in you. Imagine if he didn't take care of you. It's like, wait a minute. You, you understand, like we, the church, we're the dwelling place for God today. And these days, it was a tabernacle. It was a tent where they went to be, and that's where the Spirit of God came down and descended and dwelled amongst Israel. But today, in 2019, who's the tabernacle? Who's the tent? We are the tent. If you don't believe me, read there, there's a, this book. It says it right there. We are the tent that God dwells inside, which means he looks out for his tent. He looks out for you. He's always going to be protecting you. It's so important to know that. And the last piece is strength and courage. You see it says, for God, oh, here we go. I long to dwell in your tent forever. Take refuge in the shelter of your wings. I love that. A little higher up, where did he say? Verse three, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my foe. There's a strength in the Lord. There's a strength in the Lord. And who knows that? Yes? Right? Say yes. Yes, you know there's a strength in the Lord. But I think we miss that and what, what that means. If you feel overwhelmed in any moment, it could be a strong indicator that you don't think God's as strong as he is. Because what we're doing, for me to feel overwhelmed, I'm not going to talk about you, I'm going to talk about me. When I feel overwhelmed, what it always means is I'm taking it on. And what that means is I think I need to take it on. It means I think I'm strong enough to take it on. It means I think I'm enough by myself to take it on. And then I get rocked and overwhelmed because I'm not strong enough by myself. And if I feel like I'm failing at it, like I did during that conversation with my wife, I only feel like I'm failing at it because I thought I was good enough to take it on by myself. And think about this. If I'm good enough to take it all on by myself, if I'm strong enough to get everything done I need to get done in my life, why do I even need God? You know what I love about the Lord so much, man? He's, he's a funny God. <laughs> he builds us up to be strong, but at the same time, he wants to remind us if we could get everything done, we wouldn't need him in the first place, right? 
So he wants us to, to, to live the most amazing life, to be, have, have a blessed life, to, to live as royalty, as sons and daughters of a king, because that's who we are. But if we think we can do it on our own, we're probably going to get rocked a little bit and get overwhelmed. It's a clear indication that we're falling into sin. What? The sin of idolatry. Because I started idolizing who? Me. Because I started going, oh, I can do this. I'm good enough to do this. No, no, no. The whole point is, the whole reason I needed Jesus in the first place is because I can't do that without him. And he is the one who makes me strong. And I use his strength to get through. So if you feel like you're not strong enough, good. Let God do it. Every now and again, what if you just stepped aside and let God do it, you know? Sometimes it's cool. Like there's different verses where sometimes God will make someone strong, which means that that's when we need to, 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 to stand up, strap in, and go do the work. He makes us strong and we do the work we need to do. There's other times in the Bible when it's God's strength that delivers the enemies. So you got to know the difference between where you are. Are you in a place where God needs to make you strong and you need to work? and do something? Are you in a place where you need God's strength to come through for you? And there's no shame in either one, but you got to know what season you're in. Is God going to make me strong, or am I going to follow his strength? Easy enough, right? Awesome. So I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. Is that okay okay time? It's a good time, right? Good time. Okay. Flip to Matthew. I just want to finish with this. Um, I'm going to go to Matthew 8, verse 23. Uh, all, the, all, the, all the good preachers seem to always get something from the Old Testament, something from the New Testament. That way you know they're connected. Just kidding. That's not necessary, but it is fun. Yeah, it is fun. I mean, it is the whole Bible, isn't it? Yeah, all right. So this is a story that some of you have probably heard before. So this is one of a couple, many different boat stories. Because Jesus, I mean, he was hanging out with fishermen, right? You got to, you know, if you're a pastor... If you're a shepherd, you're going to smell like sheep. And I think Jesus smelt like fish a lot because he was discipling fishermen. If you smell like sheep, you're going to be about your sheep. You're going to be about the people. You should always be about each other. 8.23, Jesus calms the storms. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. You ever feel like God's sleeping during your wave? And you're like, am I supposed to do something? I thought, are you going to do something? Somebody got to do something. <laughs> right? Because the wave's coming. And then you get up on the boat deck and you're frantic and you're like, something's got to give. My rent is due. And I just got laid off a week ago. And look, I love my town, but there ain't a lot of work here. Right? Like, I got to do, someone's got to do something. And you don't know what to do. And it seems like God's not doing anything. And he's just sitting there. He's like, are you waiting on me? Am I waiting on you? What is happening? And I think that's how the disciples felt in this moment. But I want you to understand the overwhelm they may have felt. You're in a tiny little boat. 2,000 years ago, they had decent boats. Not like today. Not quite as strong. Not a lot of steel, you know. Not a, 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 a lot of engineering. <laughs> just uh, they put a lot of wood and, and, and hope they would float. The disciples went and woke him because they assumed that he wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. Saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown! Exclamation point. 
They're certain. Lord, there's a, they didn't say, Lord, there's a lot of waves. And here's what's interesting. Read that again. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. There's a big wave coming. Who knows what will happen? They didn't say that. They were certain of the outcome. They saw the environment and they were certain what was going to happen. They were certain of their destiny and they were wrong. They said, Lord, the way, they didn't say the Lord, the wave's coming. They said, Lord, we're going to drown. Can you imagine God hearing us sometimes? I can't pay my rent. Lord, I'm going to be homeless. God's like, what? Who told you that? I didn't tell you that. Sometimes we assume our destiny and understand that if we assume our destiny, very often we're wrong. In this case, we were wrong because God had a higher purpose for them and he has a higher purpose for you. He knows the purposes of your life. He has plans for you to prosper. That wasn't just for Israel back in the day. That was for you today. That's why it was written. Understand? Who gets that? Say I, right? Prospering for today. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Why are you stuck in a false outcome? Why are you stuck with a future that's not written? I have you written in my book of life, man. You're here. Why are you stuck in a future that's never going to exist? Why are you so scared, anxious? You're saying anxiety is simply a message from the Spirit telling you to focus on what you want. I'll say that again. If you feel anxious, anxiety is a future emotion. It's a message from the Spirit telling you, hey, don't focus on the thing that's false. Focus on what you want in the future, not what you think is going to happen that's not even true in the first place. Boom. The men, <laughs> the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I'm going to end with this. Um, I believe the reason why Jesus was not afraid and the disciples were is the disciples didn't realize what boat they were in. And Jesus knew. Here's how life works in my short 39 years on the earth. I know this about the Lord. I know that he calls us to things. He calls us, he calls the lonely into families. He calls us to be planted in a body. If you're here and you don't know if you're church shopping, quit church shopping. Just pray. Just ask God God, where do you want me to be planted? Because he has a home for you. He has a pastoral family for you. And if this is the place, then dig in. If there's another place, look, that's okay. There are, there are church bodies all around the world. But I know this, that God's called you to be part of one of them. And Matt and Sarah can say it in different ways with the blue in the face, but, well, it's different when I say it. <laughs> He wants us to be planted, and that means he's called you to a house. He's called you to a family. And in this scripture, we see that God called them into a boat. See, Jesus knew what boat he called them into. He called them into his boat. And he knew that boat would be just fine because he knew the boat he called them into. So the real question is, are you walking through, are you in your life right now, and the decisions you made, are we walking in the, are we in the boat that God asked us to be in? Or are we in the boat we think we should get in? See, the disciples weren't sure. And if you get into a boat, understand this is a metaphor. If you get into a boat in life, a, a job, if you move into a house, if you go to a city, if you show up at a church, whatever, if you go to a boat that is not the one God asked you to be in, when the wave comes, you might go, where are you? And he's like, what do you mean, where am I? I'm over here in this boat. 
Imagine if, if the disciples were like, you know what? Jesus said, come in, come with me and get in this boat. And the disciples were like, well, I mean, we're fishermen though. So, I mean, that's okay, Jesus. But this boat over here has better sails. This boat makes more sense. This boat makes better income. This boat is closer to my kid's school. It, right? This boat is the one that I feel like I should be in. And imagine if they all walked into that boat and the waves came and they went to wake up the Lord and he wasn't there to rebuke the winds. Now understand, every metaphor falls down somewhere. Jesus is always over our life. No matter what boat we're in, he's always going to watch for us. But I think sometimes we cut off and we put ourselves in the wrong boat and then we're scared of the waves. When you get in the boat Christ asked you to be in, you never have to fear. He'll always be over the storm. He'll always be over that. In life, my last little thing, and I just want to leave something fun. Um, sh- there's a great quote. I wish I remembered the name, but if I say it, I'm going to get it wrong probably. But there's a famous quote that says, ships are safest in the harbor. But that's not what ships were built for. So I guess as you go into the week, church, as, you go, as we go into this week together, I want you to look out and say, my ship is not built for being in a harbor, right? It's built to get out. It's built to, to talk to people. It's built to encourage people. I'm built to be in the world and show them the love of God. That's who I'm here for. That's who I'm here to be. Just make sure you know what ship you're in. Easy enough? Cool. Thanks for letting me come out. Can we just pray together?